Hello everyone, my name is Jordan and welcome back to the Fandom Optimists. This is the show where we love stories and we love when they bring us together. This week in fandom, we're trying something new. We're recording from a bar because my guest is co-owner of Athenaeum Cider, Kui. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, so yeah, I just thought it would be amusing to, to record this at the bar so that I can drink some delicious cider uh, while we're recording and potentially get wacky during it. I like wacky. Wacky is fun. Um, by the way, dear listener, if you happen to be local to the Fort Worth area, and I know at least one of you are, you should check out Athenaeum Cider. It's awesome. All, all one of your listeners. All one of them, yeah. Perfect. It's like one of the four, I think, <laughs> somewhere in the Fort Worth area. So that would be pretty cool. Um, I don't remember if I've already said it already, but we're covering Alien and Aliens today. We're going to start a trend throughout probably October of um, sci-fi horror. <laughs> we'll be doing uh, a handful of them, so stay tuned for that. I mean, depending on how well it does, maybe we'll do some more. Well, yeah, we might keep going past October. Who knows? Who knows? Also, dear listener, let us know if, if this is like chaotically bad sound and you hate it so that I know not to do it again. <laughs> I hope, I hope that's not the case, because I think this is fun. We'll, we'll make a little soundproofing box in the office for next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll set it up for podcasting. We'll do uh, uh, Quinn's idea of Topic Tuesdays. Now, I, I do feel like we should say that since we are doing horror, there are going to be some trigger warnings. Some. Yeah, that makes sense. That's probably worth adding. Okay. Um, I, I, horror typically does involve a lot of... Uh, drugs, a lot of sex, and a lot of things that most people don't typically like to talk about or think about. That's true. Those, those are worth mentioning for, uh, for these two, especially a lot of the allegories oh, yeah. in, in uh, Alien and Aliens. So there's your, there's your trigger warnings on this one. Now, in all fairness, I appreciate what you're doing with uh, comic books, the DCU, the MCU. Mm. Uh, but my first love is horror movies. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, because I have had very little opportunity to delve into into horror movies so far. Uh, mostly because I don't watch them very much. So, Well, I mean, the, the first time we met was at a Marvel trivia here. Yeah. And you crush everybody. <laughs> so then the second time I was going to have Marvel trivia, I recruited you to help me create it instead yeah, of that was having you show everybody up. <laughs> I don't think I'd have won the comics trivia anyway, but <laughs> at least I got, to, I got to participate. That was fun. Yeah, the trivia for, for me is uh, definitely one of those things that I enjoy. So uh, hopefully I'll be doing an alien or an aliens themed oh, trivia pretty soon. You got to do it. I'm actually ready for it now. Uh, yeah, because when we first started talking about doing this episode, I had seen, I think, the original Alien in like the first 15 minutes of Aliens, and I had seen nothing else of the franchise. By now, I have watched the four, I guess the six Alien movies, none of the crossovers, but the six like main Alien movies. Um, there, there was a little bit of a, a weird spot in the Alien franchise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that when we get to those episodes. Yeah, we'll be getting to that. I've been I've been watching the Alien and Predator movies just to prepare for doing these. Uh, 
So Predator will be an interesting one as well. We'll be getting to those. So I guess we just dive right in with Alien. And um, I, I think my first thought when I rewatched it was I was kind of blown away by, I, I can't think of a better word than audacity to just, there's a confidence that this movie has that is missing from a lot of modern movies to just let things sit. Because oh, the opening yeah. scenes are just these very spooky shots of the ship and kind of menacing music, but not overly heavy music. Nothing exciting is happening. It's just letting you slowly build tension for several minutes. Even even as the name of the movie comes into the screen, yes, it's like just like weird parts of the letters, and you mm-hmm. can't really tell what's coming in. So the whole thing is just throwing you off from the the get go. It's spooky. Yes, and I love it. It's it's meant to uh, build the anticipation and kind of just throw you off. Yeah, like you don't know what to expect. Yeah, I don't know if that's a symptom of me not watching a lot of older movies lately, or if it's a symptom of me not watching horror movies almost at all. That I was really thrown off by the, the by the slow burn vibe <laughs> of, of of Alien. Oh yeah, and then you get a lot of the uh, the older movies where all the credits are rolling before. Yeah, so you see like. Who made it? Who produced it? Who directed it? That's and you're true. like, I just want to get to the movie. <laughs> and uh, it, that vibe also maintains throughout the movie because I don't think we actually see the alien until more than halfway through. I can't remember the exact timestamp, but I remember noticing that it was either halfway or a little more than halfway through the movie that you actually see the full, big, tall, scary, shiny alien. Like the the full like already shed its skin xenomorph. Yeah, you don't see that until like halfway through, and I think that's amazing. Was it something interesting? Is if you notice uh, the first time you see it, kind of grown, its head mm-hmm. is still white. Oh, so I didn't it's notice. Technically, still not fully grown until after it kills Brett. I didn't notice that. That's yeah. cool. Now I got to rewatch it again. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then you can, uh, somebody said that you can actually see, like, they put a skull with eye sockets inside of the head, and you yeah. can barely see it when it's white. That's freaky. Yeah. That feels like something that would become much more prominent later in the, se- in the series. Um, with that one creepy white one. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, the, the vibe of the movie really struck me as, as, Something special when I went in to rewatch Alien. I like that we're getting kind of... They give you just enough information to get going, but not too much. It's not like a wall of exposition. It just tells you the name of the ship, who's on it, what's it doing. And here we go. And then everyone's waking up from the cryosleep. And uh, I think that's our first uh, appearance of... What I really hadn't picked up on most of these. I picked up on a couple of them, but all of the motherhood and birth allegories oh, yeah. throughout uh, the movie. I didn't really pick up on one of them kind of being the, the leaving the escape pod, the, not the escape pods, the uh, cryopods as well. Oh, yeah. It's like it, it's opening up. It, I mean... Lots of the art is Giger's art, and he's very mm-hmm. sexual with his art. So in the original uh, like concept art, there was a lot of sexual organs involved, mm-hmm. lots of phalluses, 
Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Giger's a very interesting artist. And that kind of bleeds right into the, the very disturbing allegory of the facehugger, uh, which was apparently um, an allegory for uh, an oral rape, basically. Oh, yeah. Of John Hurt's character. Who, who you think is the main character starting off That's a good movie. point. They kind of frame it where you think you're following him. That <laughs> it's his story. With the, when they wake up, like it, the entire shot is centered on Kane's pod. Yeah, I think if I hadn't already known that Sigourney Weaver is the main character of these movies, I would have been really thrown off <laughs> about a half hour in. Oh, yeah. And I mean, John Hurt, like great actor, too. Oh, yeah. And it was just, it was kind of like uh, Deep Blue Sea when Samuel L. Jackson, like, yeah. goes in the middle of the show, and you're like, wait, <laughs> he was supposed to be the main actor of this whole thing, and now he's gone. What are we supposed to do? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good, I wish I could think of more examples like that, because I feel like I've seen other movies like that, where they trick you into thinking that the main character is someone else. Oh, um, yeah. But this one does it beautifully. Um, we get John Hurt incapacitated with the face hugger. It's a creepy looking thing. That it's got was, like fingers. It's terrifying. It does look like fingers. It, it's <laughs> its tail is like wrapped around his neck. Yeah, slowly constricting. Slowly constricting. Uh, I do I do like that they added in after he wakes up that he talks about having a dream of suffocating. Oh, I forgot about that. It's a it's it's interesting that that he equates his traumatic event to a dream rather than okay. remembering what actually happened to him. Yeah, that's interesting. But I do feel like we're we're jumping ahead a little bit. Okay. What what, what did we skip? I mean, we we got to talk about the the scene where everybody wakes up and then you kind of build this rapport with this group. You, yeah, you get a, a vibe of how they interact with each other while they're all sitting and eating for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> John Hurt says, I feel dead. <laughs> yep. Little foreshadowing. That's, that is great foreshadowing. And then, it, like I said, John Hurt's character, he's like, all right, we got to do this. We got to go mm -hmm. check this out. We gotta, you know, let's all go down. I'll lead the party. Let's let's just do this thing. Yeah, because they think it's an they think it's an SOS. Yes, that they're investigating, and they're they're going off to 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 make sure that this isn't anything terrible. Uh, Sigourney Weaver at some point uh, comes across the realization that this is not an SOS, and is in fact a warning to stay away. A Good little bit time. too late for that, though. That's true. Uh, what was the, oh god, what was the Synthoid's name in this one? Oh, Ash. Ash. Yes. I, I kept, I've got Bishop in my head from the next movie, but I, okay. Well, and Bishop would prefer Artificial Person. <laughs> I forgot about that, too. <laughs> it was a fun scene. Yes. So Ash is in this. Um, he did great. The, the actor, I forgot the actor's name, but he did really good. Um... They, they give you enough subtle clues that he knows what's going on yeah. without expressly saying this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. and it, it, he plays his hand just enough to where if you catch it, you can tell <laughs> what he's thinking and what he's trying to accomplish. Yeah, I do need to rewatch it now, 
having actually, because I think the last time I watched it, it was like my dad made me watch it like 12 years ago, and I didn't remember anything about it. That's fair. So this was the first time that I watched it, like I sat down and I watched it to deliberately experience the movie. So I didn't see anything, any twists coming. And so I really want to rewatch it again now, knowing everything about Ash and everything about the plot, so that I can pick up on those things. Because yeah, yeah, Ash definitely does some things that you get the feeling like he, <laughs> he knows what's happening and you're not sure how much he knows and what part he's playing in making that happen. It's expertly crafted storytelling. Um, Even when he's looking at the, uh, the, the screen... And you can tell that there's something weird on the screen. And then without even skipping a beat, uh, Ripley walks in and Ash turns off the monitor and continues talking like yep. nothing even happened. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real ominous. And I also really like where he discourages her from going to warn them that it's a warning message. And I loved his reasoning that, well, by the time you get there... They'll know if it's a warning or not, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take you a while, and whatever terrible thing is happening to them is already will have yeah, happened. Sure, you know. Don't the, worry about it. The, the signal is off. It's not strong. <laughs> yeah, whatever excuse. Yeah. He's, he's making just enough excuses to kind of pique your interest and make you wonder what's up with this guy. Right, without drawing, like, complete attention to himself. It's perfect. And we get to the, the face hugger happens... It's a terrifying jump scare of a moment. I guess we should mention first they see the space jockey. Yes, that's space cool. Jockey. Which is later revealed to be one of the engineers from the lore of the later movies, I guess, right? Oh yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about Prometheus. Yeah, we'll be getting to those. <laughs> I will have surprising views. I have I have lots of things to say about Michael Fassbender's character in that movie. I'm really excited to get to those. So we see a dead engineer who fans colloquially call the space jockey, and uh, he his chest his chest has been ripped o- ripped open. So yeah, he died. But he's almost like like fossilized. Yeah, he looks real ancient. He's been there for a long time. The ship's been there for a long time. He's huge, massive. And, yeah, and they find a little hole in the floor. They go in there, and there's all the eggs with the face huggers in them. But like the the entire way down, like even the ship changes. It yeah. looks more biological. That's that was always a cool effect that they pulled off in both of these movies. Of this kind of, it gets more humid looking. It mm-hmm. gets more kind of gross and shiny. <laughs> Lots just, of like weird things dripping from the walls and the ceilings. Yeah. It gets real freaky real fast. And I just <laughs> I love the vibe of it. It's really fun. Uh, it's it's unlike anything that that is coming out now with anything else that I've been watching lately. So it was a nice change of pace from everything else that I've been watching. Well, then um, of course you have to have like the accidental slip and fall, just like yeah. you do in every horror movie. But this time he ends up in the bottom of this egg pit. Mm-hmm. And we get the it's just it's so gross, it's so creepy, it's so startling. The face hugger jumping onto him. And shoving something down his throat, and they we see that it breaks through his his space helmet as well, which is real creepy. 
Right. Like the the question is, how how did it melt through his space helmet? Did yeah. it did it secrete some of its uh, acid to eat through the helmet? Oh uh, yeah. Like what other was weird... it just that strong? Right. That's an interesting thought. And, like and if and if you if you think back to where they're cutting his helmet off, like that face hugger's in there. It's not on top of yeah. the helmet. It is inside of his helmet. Oh god. It's so creepy. Like to the point oh. where the, the the glass on the helmet is no longer clear, it's like cloudy. Yeah. So whatever it used to eat through that helmet affected the structural integrity of the helmet. The use of humidity throughout this movie is really good at making things creepy. Oh, like, yeah. I don't know what it is about just making a spaceship a little humid for a bit that <laughs> makes it way more disturbing. But yeah. it, it does. All the actors are sweating. Yeah. There's water everywhere. It's great. Uh, juxtaposes really well with the fire elements that come in later. Oh, yeah. And Especially in Aliens. We get... Uh, yeah, so he's out. They're bringing him back to the ship. Sigourney Weaver's character... It's Ripley. I don't know why I keep calling her Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> is... Uh, very adamant no you can't bring him back on the ship yeah. you can't do it we're all gonna die <laughs> if, if you've watched any zombie movies or any alien movies yep. you know you don't let them in yep vampires we, too you don't let them in and watching this post pandemic <laughs> when she <laughs> says if we break quarantine we could all die I'm like yeah yes yeah. <laughs> that's what I was told um, so that was funny uh, hearing the, the word quarantine has become a trigger word post-pandemic. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so they finally... Oh, it's it's Ash who finally lets them in, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Which, she, uh, Ripley confronts him, like, kind it's of... It's a really cool character beat when she confronts him. Oh, yeah. You you quickly get the sense that it's like yeah she's a badass <laughs> don't mess with Ripley. Well, she's also smart enough to think like you're the science officer yeah and you just went against all of the rules you're supposed to follow when you encounter something that you didn't expect. Yep, she calls him out on the inconsistencies. But she's she's got no sway at that point. She's not the captain. She's yeah. not a Anybody that can tell Ash what to do, because technically he would be second or third in command as a science officer. Yeah, that's true. So, like, she she has no sway over his decisions. Even oh, once man. she becomes the captain after Dallas, like, she still has no authority over Ash. <laughs> and she even specifically asks Ash what Mother is thinking, because she mm -hmm. knows that he's going to know as a science officer. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I like that. But don't worry, they're so collating. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we get to where uh, yeah, there's this long chunk where he's John Hurt's character is out. He's passed out. He's got the um, he's got the face hugger on him. They come back, and the face hugger is not there. At some point, like he's still there asleep, and the face hugger is gone. Like semi coma. Right? Yeah. That's terrifying. I, I had such a profound sense of dread when you see that the face hugger is not there anymore. Yeah. Now you're like, well, is he going to wake up and just be 
crazy? Is, yeah. Is, is he like an invasion of the body snatchers yeah. now? Where is the facehugger? Where is the facehugger? They find it pretty quick, but there's that brief moment where you have no idea where it is. And what are they using? Like these like weird, like it looks like the microphone that Bob Barker used <laughs> yeah. uh, on The Price is Right. Yeah. And they're like trying to like poke in, like is it a cattle prod? Is it a... Ugh. What is it? They make it bleed. That's uh, so when we find out that it bleeds acid. Eats through lots of decks, what, two or three? I, yeah, I think I knew from pop culture osmosis that the aliens from Alien bleed acid, but I had kind of mostly forgotten that fact. And then you see it happen in the movie, and you're like, oh, they're screwed. There's nothing they yeah. can do about this. They yeah, can't kill it. Even if they blow it up, acid's going to go everywhere. <laughs> you can't kill it. It burns through like three decks. You're all going to die if you kill this thing. And so that's a really good way to build up tension. That is a surprisingly simple way to build up incredible tension. Well, I mean, if Predator taught us anything, if it bleeds, you can kill it. <laughs> but unfortunately... This one bleeds This worse. one, you don't want it to bleed. Oh, that's so good. It takes away, like, that one weakness. You're like, oh, if, if I can cut it and I can make it bleed, then that means that I can take it out. Yeah. But it's going to bleed on you. Yeah. You, you make that blood dangerous, and now you have to worry about the ship damage. Yeah. You have to worry about damage to yourself or your friends or your crewmates. It was a brilliant way to also eliminate the use of guns, because in most horror movies, at least most horror movies that aren't, like, demonic possession or something, and right. or any horror movie where you're fighting a tangential, uh, a, not tangible, tangible being... Uh, corporeal be I don't know uh, physical it, <laughs> yeah. thing that you're fighting something that you can hurt you're like yes. ah guns yeah <laughs> great kill it but you you can't do that here that was a very good way to eliminate that uh, that easy out for them oh yeah we we don't get to blow them up until uh, aliens <laughs> yes uh, that's when we start using guns yeah oh yeah because they're on a planet <laughs> so they don't care about dissolving the floor. In that one. I, I, oh, God, it's so good. And there's just one of them, and it's this big of a problem. And, oh, yeah, so we, 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 I jumped ahead. We need to get to the, the chest burster, which yes. is such a horrifying image. It's, it's a mirroring of the first time you see all of them together. They're mm -hmm. all sitting around and eating. Yeah, that's true. It was a nice... You know, family get together. Everybody's <laughs> enjoying their meal and talking and joking. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Kane's not right. Yeah, he starts coughing. He starts getting worse and worse and worse. And then they do the 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 actual chest burster, which is so horrifying. It's, it's kind of cute, if I'm being honest. Uh, if you removed the the context and took it out of that he's coming out of John Hurt's chest, yes, I would think that that thing is kind of cute. Yeah, <laughs> I want to raise. I want to raise a little xenomorph. Yeah, it seems adorable. <laughs> it is until it eats your cat and grows like oh, twice your size. I'm so glad. Wait, did it, were there were there multiple cats? Did it eat a cat or did no. it? No. Okay. I, Thank God. Jones was probably the the character in the entire story that was like. I'm going to get away from this thing, and yep. I'm going to hide. And the only reason I'm in danger now is because you grabbed me and stuck me in this stupid cat carrier. Yep. That is true. I didn't even think of that. 
got a quick wrong number that uh, threw off the recording there for a second, but we were talking about the cat carrier, and you just off mic mentioned that she throws the cat carrier at someone, oh, yeah. basically. When she's getting on the shuttle, she just like tosses it, and then it doesn't end up where she wants it, so she hits it again. So it's like oh. just being bounced around, and that, that poor cat is just like flopping all over the place. I feel so bad for the cat. Um, yeah, everyone leave the cat alone. <laughs> All right, so after, after Kane, uh, yeah. everybody goes to search for this thing. Yes, there's now a tiny, surprisingly cute chestburster alien running around the ship. Um, in what was, oh, I think it's worth mentioning at this point um, that apparently they didn't tell the cast that there was going to be blood spurts. Oh, yeah. The they, like, packs. told them what was going to happen in the script, but there was something about the mechanism they were using that they didn't prepare the cast to get actually sprayed with the blood. And so that genuinely startled them. I think that's very funny. Oh, yeah, um, especially uh, the lady that played Lambert. Yeah. Like, it sprays her right in the face. Oh, she did so good. The... Uh, the, the whole time, honestly, though, like, you've got to know that if something is going to come out of this dude's chest, there's going to be some gore and some blood involved. Yeah, I imagine it wasn't the most shocking thing in the world, but I, I, I imagine it was at least a little startling, and, I, and I'm glad that that added to the performances, I imagine. The, the bonus is the, the dummy that they used for Kane mm-hmm. is not as bad as the dummy they used for Ash. That's true. Yeah. Bash dummy's not great. The, the, the only complaint that I have with any of the cinematography is the jump cut whenever they're setting Ash's <laughs> head up. Yeah. And then there's this hard cut to the actor then being there with his head sticking through a hole in the floor. Yeah. That didn't, that didn't age terribly well. I, I feel like they could have cut to the cut to Ripley and... Uh, who was it, Parker and Lambert at that point? Yeah. Like, could have cut to them and then cut back, and then there's Ash. Yeah. I guess it's a good time to talk about uh, the big reveal with Ash, because I had no idea. I I didn't know this. (laughs) It floored me that one of them is a robot. (laughs) My wife had no idea that that was even possible. So she, she was asking me, what is going on with this guy and this white stuff coming out of him? Yeah. And I was like, just pay attention. Yeah, just, just watch. watch. I was completely prepared for the creepy alien. I was not ready for androids. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I didn't expect a futuristic sci-fi movie to include an android. But it just like, it, it, it was the most of my mind was blown to the entire movie. I was floored <laughs> with the, the android reveal. And that he's evil. Yeah, I feel like uh, they give a lot of clues as to Ash being uh, something you should pay attention to, mm-hmm. but there's no real reason why you should pay attention to him. <laughs> you just you know that you're supposed to watch this guy. Yeah, and um, oh god, and I like that it's a double twist because they give you the twist that he's a robot, and the twist that he's evil, and the twist that the whole reason they're here is evil. Yeah. All at the same time. They're like, oh, we want you to go, you know, pick up some stuff from this planet. Yeah. And then on your way, oh, whoops, you actually accidentally run across mm-hmm. this uh, SOS that we think might 
lead us to the Xenomorph. Yep. Yeah. And the uh, crew expendable. That's, oh, yeah. the, that's the big. That's the big turning point there. It, it takes a lot of collating before you decide to get rid of your crew in favor of mm-hmm. some weird alien you want to <laughs> research. Oh man, it's it's so dark and it's so. I. It's always my favorite twist. Whenever you're dealing with a monster movie, effectively or anything where where you have a preconceived. The X Men movies do it too. Where it's, you think you know who the villain is, and then it's, whoops, human nature yep. is the villain. Yeah, Eric Lyncher is not the bad guy you expected. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Human nature being the villain is always my favorite twist in a movie, and it's done perfectly here. It's like, yeah, of course they want these ultimate super predator, you know, demonic creatures that can kill anything. Of yeah. course humans want that because humans are terrible. Right. We we would have we would rather have a monster that we can't understand versus a monster that we can understand. Yeah. And so that oh man. That's my favorite twist. I love that twist so much. And so you have so Kane dies. Yeah, they kill Brett chases after Jones. Which oh is, yes, that's a very interesting scene because if you watch the director's cut, there's a scene where you can see the xenomorph kind of mm. hanging out in the chains that are hanging above the ventilation shaft. I can't or whatever remember it is. if that's the one I saw or not. There's a few changes from the director's cut. There's a bunch of added scenes. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk the, about the uh, the kill me thing. Is yes, the, the kill okay. me thing. Okay, I saw I saw the director's cut. I just don't remember the the xenomorph hiding in the chains part yeah, they, for some reason. They, they did retcon a little bit of that from the first movie. I mm-hmm. think the director's cut. They they the xenomorph was turning them into eggs rather than uh, like, yeah whatever it was. It was an aliens. Okay. The, that that was this. It was this whole weird thing where they were still trying to figure out, I think, how they reproduced and are the eggs created or are people turned into vessels for these things? Hmm. And I, I think that uh, eventually they were like, "Well, it would be really cool to have this giant alien that they have <laughs> to fight." <laughs> I think maybe the queen was an afterthought. Maybe it was something that they planned. But it, I do think that the, originally it was supposed to be this one and done. Yeah. Like you find the egg, face hugger, xenomorph. You get rid of the xenomorph. Movie over. Yeah. And it's this cool like ah, I fought something that I had never even imagined would have existed. Yeah. And I I overcame it, and now I'm this badass. <laughs> And then you wake up, what is it, 40 years later in Aliens, yep. and you realize you've been floating in space. God, it's such a messed up... Like, the opening of Aliens was so shocking. Um, well, the fact that they kept the harpoon gun in the doorway yeah. is still amazing to me, considering how far, uh, how many years there were between Alien and Aliens, mm-hmm. and the director changes and all the things that happened. Like, you still had that one little touch. That is I true. Do like that, that. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think to appreciate that <laughs> before. Huh. Well, that was a whole scene too, where they're talking about the the umbilical cord 
yeah. like being the harpoon and it's like floating in space. You'll notice that while it's in space, it's still alive. Mm-hmm. It's still fighting. It gets blasted by the shuttle's engines. Brutal. And it's still alive and it is still <laughs> floating around. Like, what is it going to take to kill these things? Yeah, they're terrifying. Um, I've always loved, I saw, I saw a, a Who Would Win fight between Darth Vader and the Xenomorphs. Yeah. And I was like, that's an interesting one because you got to figure out whether or not a lightsaber would instantly cauterize any wounds or not. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's the difference. If it doesn't, he's screwed. Because <laughs> like, if the acid eats through the, right. mat, the suit, he's done. What's the melting point of molecular acid? Yes. <laughs> I want to know if a lightsaber can cauterize a xenomorph wound or not. Mm, that's a crossover <laughs> we all want, but probably will never happen. Uh, I don't know. In 30, 40 years? <laughs> like, D- Disney will buy the Alien franchise. and then They the might own it. it. What is it? I mean, wait, who owns it? Is it Fox? If Fox owns it, Disney owns it. Well, that's true. I can't remember who owns it, though. We probably, we'll, we'll have to figure that out. I'm losing it. The cider's getting to me. <laughs> um, oh, man. What's left to talk about in Alien 1? So, uh, something that I appreciated okay. is the three characters that are left at the end are the two women yeah. and the quote-unquote token black guy. Oh, that's I, interesting, yeah. I, I, I like that everybody else is dead, <laughs> and these people that are usually the ones that die yeah. are the ones that are left. Interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Well, and then my wife got really frustrated when we watched The End, and mm-hmm. Parker and Lambert are like loading up fuel cells yeah. and things for the shuttle. The Xenomorph appears, and Lambert freezes. Does nothing. Yep. Parker, then the guy that the entire movie is like, are you going to pay me for this? (laughs) Uh, Is there going to be, you know, a bonus? Like, are we getting anything extra for Mm. doing this? He's the one that sacrifices his life. And while that's happening, Lambert is still standing there doing nothing and just (laughs) watching what is happening. I I, I do feel like... uh, they could have given Lambert a little, little bit more fortitude. Yeah, that makes sense. A little bit. Um, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I do like... Uh, oh, gosh, what was I just... I was just thinking of something. Um, I don't remember now. I think the, the cider's gotten to me. It, it, <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of sci-fi movies, you kind of get, like brought into this world that you're not expected to understand at first and then once you kind of get used to okay this is happening uh, I should be able to figure out how to fight this thing Mm -hmm. and then you end up with a xenomorph yeah who literally is killable but you could risk damaging yourself yeah you're screwed if you kill that thing like you could (laughs) die by killing this thing so you, you literally just have to dispose of it and then make it somebody else's problem. I did not see it coming that it's still on the escape craft. <laughs> yes. It floored me that I was like, I was like following the standard narrative of an action movie. See, because I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Yeah, right. So I'm in an action movie brain. <laughs> and I'm like, here's your big third act explosion. 
You, she blows up the ship. The hero's quest, right? Yeah, That's she blows a, up the ship. Yeah. She gets away. We're done. Exactly. <laughs> and the monster's still on the ship. That was a beautiful thing about the <laughs> shuttle. Like it, it, it still had a lot of like organic elements to it where yeah. you didn't even see it. Like the whole scene where she's <laughs> like putting in the coordinates and navigating, it's there. It's sitting there staring at you right in the face, and you uh, don't notice it until its hand comes out. That's because terrifying. The ship looks exactly like it does. That is terrifying. It is. Yeah, uh, she she knocks it out of the airlock, and I guess cut to aliens, basically. Cut to aliens. She she's alive. Years later. Yes. I think it said 40 earlier. It is closer to 60. Yeah. I don't know why I remember 57. That's like a weird number that's in my head. <laughs> I, I, it might not even be right, but maybe. I don't remember. Um, it's uh, Okay, so years and years and years later, she thought it was going to be a few weeks. It's been right. several decades. What was it, six weeks? I think is what she thought she was uh, going to be floating. Something like that, yeah. And it's been several decades now. And she's getting back, and she's trying to explain what happened, and no one believes her at this terrible company that wanted this to happen in the first place, basically. So my first question is, how did she survive 57 years, considering Hmm. that the company limits everything to only what you need for the expedition? Oh, that's an interesting And that ship lasted for 57 years. Hmm. Like, is it like low power? Like you're you're in hibernation or suspended mode, and everything just kind of goes into like uh, we're just going to use whatever power we really yeah. need. Maybe somehow the cryopods don't take that much power. Maybe she's using power that would have been used for the like five other people. Right. That's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's we'll a great ask, question. We'll have to ask Walt Disney when he gets unfrozen. <laughs> I, that's my. I think that's my favorite conspiracy theory. There's a lot of conspiracy theories that are like some. Some of them like this one's pretty harmless, and I like it. Have you seen? Have you ever seen the the pyramid of conspiracy theories? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like these are the harmless ones. These are the really dangerous ones. These are like we don't have any evidence, but I don't care if you believe it or not. Right. Um, the the frozen head Disney is one where I'm like that's kind of fun. I don't know if I believe it or not, but like that's a fun one. I mean, there are companies that will freeze your head. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if Walt Disney had himself frozen. Hey, it, it, if they don't figure out how to reverse aging in my life, yeah, then I will probably have my head frozen. You might do it. Yeah. yeah. I think about it. I think that would be worth considering. So we, so we get into aliens. Um, oh, a detail that I did not notice uh, that I had pointed out for me today by... Um, one of the Easter egg videos that I watched today was that um, what was the other girl's name? Lambert is trans apparently, and I'm like, oh, cool. Oh yeah, subtle, subtle representation. It's just it's a little quick little uh, in their profile. Yeah. it says that they were born male and they yeah. transitioned to female. Just throws it into the background that like yeah, in the future that's just kind of a thing, <laughs> and it's like yeah, they were they were there. Cool. Um, they never make anything else of it. It's never even brought up. There's no dialogue yeah, about it. It's just in the background. 
Uh, that's, that's an interesting detail. And we get to... There's... Is it meant to be the same planet they were on in the first one? Yeah, LV-426. Okay, yeah. So there's a colony there. And I... It's, Jesus, why did they put a colony there? Oh, they tell us why they put a colony there. It's specifically so this happens. <laughs> well, I think technically <laughs> Kane turns off the SOS when they're on the ship. Oh, yeah. So there's no SOS to keep people from going there. And, of course, That's the company true. knows that the Xenomorph is there. And they yeah. failed to get it because of Ripley, mm-hmm. who... I'm sure that they were probably very upset to find her still alive and no xenomorph. <laughs> yeah. Which is why she's ridiculed and sanctioned and, uh, like, demoted whenever they're, they're going yeah. through this, you know, it's meeting so with the company. And most of the people in the meeting aren't even involved in the meeting. Yeah. There's, like, a dude that's doing crossword puzzles. There's oh, I forgot about people that. People aren't that's paying fun, attention. That's it's a fun like, detail. It's like a board meeting that you would never want to be in because nobody's going to listen to what you have to say. And she's pleading her case and nobody cares. Uh, she's trying to tell them what happened so to her. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Oh, man. And so we get the, the, the colony that was on that planet. We've lost track of it. we got to send these hardened soldiers... This real team of badasses. A total as, shift from um, the first movie. As Bill Paxton puts it. That, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a huge shift. We've got like Vietnam-style soldiers going. And Bill Paxton's great in this. The love, Bill Paxton. I love Bill Michael Paxton. Michael Bean is great. Yeah. Uh, whoever plays Vasquez. Like, I, yeah. I was intimidated and turned on at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure my friend Blue can relate to that comment. Um... <laughs> Uh, she's real muscly. Well, and plus, I love Latinas. Dark okay. hair, dark eyes. Yeah. I'm in it. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> and, yeah, so oh, they send all these badass soldiers to go uh, figure out what's going on with this colony. And, and most, of these, Weaver, most of these Marines have already been through combat. Yeah. They've already all survived. They're hard asses, except for the, the guy that's supposed to be leading them. Yeah, Gorman. Yeah, it's his first combat experience yeah. ever. I really like what she says. How many how many drops have you done, Gorman? He's like, I've done 38. They were simulated. But right. <laughs> like, so, so no real world <laughs> situations. Yeah. No, no actual combat experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley, um, that's going to be a full sentence that I'm just going to keep saying for some reason, um, <laughs> says, I'm going with you. And I guess the company's fine with it because they figure she'll die this time. <laughs> well, I, I think Burke was looking for somebody that had a little bit of knowledge that he could then exploit later. True. Yeah, so he's definitely Burke a company man. What was, what was Burke's whole role? Like, what was his, what was his job meant to be? Yeah, who knows? Company liaison. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of those, like, economic hitmen. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. He's, he's there to cause chaos a little bit and then yeah. tow the company line. <laughs> and he, yeah so he's there and they go to the place and they're looking for the colony they find a whole bunch of abandoned stuff and what some face huggers inside jars yeah the face huggers in jars was real creepy mm-hmm. 
And we find a small girl named Newt, who's yes. been surviving for, what was it, like seven months? That, that we saw, like, a little flashback of her and her family. Yeah. Like, and... a very small. <laughs> like, you, you, honestly, you hardly even recognize her whenever you see her for the, the yeah, second time. Yeah, that's true. Her hair is, like, matted and, like, nasty, and she's dirty, and her clothes are brown when they probably should have been white or gray like it she looks like a a homeless kid that's been living on the streets i just got such a weird like i i have so much adhd the tv over there played an ad for the carne asada chipotle bowl that i just ate <laughs> and then my app immediately gave me a notification that says you tried carne asada i'm like did it know that the ad was on that was weird i hate ADHD sometimes. Anyway, much um, like the company, <laughs> much like the company, everybody is watching you at all times, yeah. including your phone. Yeah. Was so, it Utani Wayland? Yeah, Wayland Utani. Okay. Utani? Uh, now I'm not sure. Utoni? Utuni? Uh, y U T A N I. Wayland. I know it's Wayland. Yes. And then I don't remember the other one. Well, Utani, I mean, I think. Bishop is designed to look exactly like old Wayland. Okay, yeah, true. Because he appears in the third Aliens, which hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Yeah, we'll get to that on the, the next episode. That'll be uh, where we really sneak have peek, to... Sneak dear listener, next episode we're doing Aliens 3 and 4. We're, we're, <laughs> we're really going to have to do our best to make them sound good because <laughs> the, those two... We've got optimism. We can the, do it. Those two movies are a struggle to make it to. <laughs> Even as a fan. I'll, I'll watch Prometheus all day long. I gotta I'll do some Alien recaps because it's now, it's now been a few months, but I remember having a good time. And... Um, the, the basketball scene where they're like shooting baskets and uh, who is it? Ron Perlman. He's yeah, Ron yeah. Perlman. I love Ron Perlman. He's in it. Did you see the thing where Ron Perlman, like, it, it's not so subtly threatened like studio executives with burning their houses down? <laughs> Did you see that? I mean, if he took any uh, <laughs> any of his example from his character from Sons of Anarchy, yes, yeah. he will burn your house down. It was because during the the like height of the strike, which I hear might be ending soon. That's exciting. Um, hopefully on good terms. Hopefully, uh, but but at the height of the strike, one of the studio executives said something like, "We plan to keep this going until they start losing their homes mm -hmm. and they have to come crawling back to us. And Ron Perlman put out like a video where he says, listen, buddy, there's more than one way to lose a home. And it's like, oh, that's scary, Ron. I think he was implying he's going to burn someone's house down. Uh, yeah, that's a little terrifying. He, he didn't say anything explicit, but I think there was an implicit threat there. He, he's pulling from his Hellboy character. Yes. He's like, I'm ready to burn uh, some shit down. Ron Perlman's always a win. Anytime I see him doing anything, I'm like, yeah, you go, Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah, he's like uh, this like old redneck guy that you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I, I get him. <laughs> but he, he's, a, he's a cool old dude. Yeah. Oh, man. And, um, okay, Aliens, we were, we were going to... 
Uh, you like you start off on uh, <laughs> the ship where everybody's kind of on even ground. Like yeah. The men and the women, like Vasquez is doing pull-ups just as mm-hmm. much as everybody else is. She's showing that she's just as capable. She's combat showing her wise. bulging muscles. Oh yeah. <laughs> and she is not letting them walk all over her. And I feel like Sigourney My Weaver also line. does the same. My favorite line in there is when one of them says, Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? She goes, no, have you? I'm like, pretty yeah, sure that was, there you go. wasn't that Bill Paxton's character? Oh, that might have been. I can't yeah. remember now. Hudson? That was a good one. That's a good bit. And we get to, yeah, so we send in the badasses. And they're, they find out that, and I love that they found an excuse to do it, because I was like, well, they're on a planet. They, you can't take away the guns. They're on a planet. Right. And then they found a way to take away the guns anyway by, <laughs> by saying that you're under, like, a thermonuclear generator, so if you shoot mm-hmm. anything, you're all going to die. I'm like, ah, damn, they took away the guns. That was brilliant. I feel like that was a stipulation in Sigourney Weaver's contract <laughs> that she didn't really care for guns. She, she didn't want them. Interesting. Which is why they really only appear <laughs> in the finale where she uses the, the taped flamethrower and assault yeah. rifle together. Yeah, she uses a flame. Does she use a flamethrower in both? Yeah. That's well, awesome. Does she use a flamethrower in the first one? I, I think so. I can't remember now. That's a good question. I don't. I don't know if I remember a flame. I think she does to like, to like kill. Um, well, Dallas uses a flamethrower in the uh, the the vents, the air ducts. Yeah, and then I think when she sees the people who are saying "Help me!" from the wall, mm. and she wants to kill them, I think she uses a flamethrower. I can't remember now. I'm pretty sure they say "Kill me." Yeah. The the lady that they find. So after they like all go down. The, the object is they're going to find out where all these colonists oh, are. So they have trackers on the colonists, and when they go down there, they realize that all they see is like this weird biological-looking stuff that yeah. is supposed to be part of this outpost. It's spooky. And it, it looks like the inside of a body rather than the inside of a military base yeah. or a terraforming base. It gets real spooky. And I, I, yeah, I was mentioning it with the, the first one, that the use of humidity yes. is very effective when you got everyone looking like they're in a jungle when you're in a what should be a technological place. Uh, it, it makes a weird juxtaposition between tech and nature, um, particularly untamed, dangerous nature, that makes it extra creepy. And I, I think that's a really effective uh, means that they use in this movie. In the last one. We'll talk a lot about Dangerous Nature and the Predator movies. Oh, I can't wait. Those are going to be fun. And we... It's good for a day. Yeah, so the aliens show up. Oh, they kill one of them, right? Yeah. Like, an, like a chest burster happens. And, and there's not just one in this movie. Yeah. Aliens, you've got multiple. There are the, many the movie xenomorphs. is aptly titled. Yes. <laughs> there are plural this time. And it's, I, it's I remember, less like that, like you're trying to escape this slasher, yeah. which is like a typical horror movie you would have experienced, where now it's more psychological. You've got to get away from this group of aliens yeah. that are attacking you. You're trying to win a war. Right. And I, I can't remember if this is true or not. This might be an urban legend, but it, the image cracks me up that when James Cameron went in to pitch the sequel, he wrote, he wrote the title Alien on a, war, on a whiteboard. 
And then he just kind of looked around the room and everyone was looking at him. And he put an S at the end. And then he looked back across the room. And then he drew money signs through the S. And they're like, all right, James, do it. (laughs) I I feel like the the movie Alien did well enough to where he probably did see dollar signs. Yeah. It it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's a true story. It was riding the coattails of uh, Star Wars, I feel like, a little bit. Which, yeah, probably. It was only two years later, right? It's not one of those things that you would equate like these two movies to be similar enough to where you could put them together, but I feel like yeah. the success of Aliens, it was predicated on the success of Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, because just two years prior, Star Wars had come out, and like, I mean, Star Trek had been popular for a long time, but Star yeah, yeah, Wars, yeah. Star Wars like threw sci-fi into like a whole new level of popularity. And the story was way better. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so many weird side stories and, like, things you didn't expect. Like, I, I feel like they led the way to get to these sci-fi horror movies that yeah. we now get to enjoy. Yeah. And Even the intros to, like, the movies where you see you're, like, filming underneath the spaceships as they come in that was yeah. the same kind of style that Star Wars used to show how big the Imperial Destroyers were. Oh, that's a good were. point. Yeah. Like you, you're, when you start Alien, you're underneath this like mining ship that is transporting, I, I would assume hydrogen because that's typically helium or hydrogen. That's typically what you're mining from asteroids or other planets. I didn't even think of that because I've gotten kind of used to that concept but it's like yeah these were these were the beginning <laughs> yeah that's a good point uh, okay where, where are we with aliens we've got they're in the place the bunch of aliens show up yeah they, you know, we they, start shooting yeah they, they find one of the colonists she says to kill her yeah and then all of the other aliens start to show up at that point oh and at some point Ripley has to drive a big she truck. She doesn't have to. She just does it. That's true. Yeah. He's like he doesn't know. Gorman yeah. doesn't know what's going on. Everybody he, else is frozen, and Ripley's like, oh, "I've been through this shit before." He's panicking. She's yeah. in action mode, and she drives this thing like through part of the the ship or complex or whatever they're in Th- through the body parts yeah. that are being made like you oh, it, it's God. so weird to see her driving through like what's almost biological matter it's in this gruesome. like massive what is it like six or eight wheeled tank yeah. that is rolling through this you know <laughs> outpost yeah and she manages to save a couple of them well yeah while while Gorman is sitting there like freaking out not mm. not understanding what's happening his men are dying and he has no idea what's happening and he's only been through simulations at this point there is a plot with ripley's daughter that i've completely forgotten now what was the deal with what was the Uh, deal with that at at the beginning of aliens uh i think it was burke or somebody with the company gives her information on her daughter who obviously is well past dead at this point yeah because it's been 57 57 years. years uh the the image that uh, they use is actually an image of Sigourney Weaver's mother. So in the picture that oh. you see where she's looking at a picture of her quote-unquote daughter... I was wondering how they got that resemblance it, right. It's Sigourney Weaver's mother. Oh, that's brilliant. And we get where... We've, 
Oh, well, oh, I was talking about the daughter. Oh, yeah, the, I brought up the daughter thing because then we've got the dynamic with Newt, which is very interesting because Newt's lost her parents. Sigourney has very recently found out that she's basically lost her daughter. Correct, yeah. And we now she meets this young girl who needs help. And I think that's a pretty cool dynamic in there, taking, uh, trying to take care of Newt. Probably one of the reasons why she just goes into this mode where she's like, yeah. I'm going to save this girl and also save these Marines who are well beyond what they've ever experienced before. Yeah. Because they, they all, like, the, the beginning scenes where they're all talking about, like, you know, let's just go in and, like, take care of this or, you know, whatever, this is a waste of our time <laughs> kind of attitude. Yeah. And then they get down there and none of them know how to handle it. Like, let alone Gorman, who's never ran his own op before. Mm-hmm. And he goes in with all these, like, veteran Marines and all of them have no idea what to do against these things. <laughs> like, they're shooting these things, and acid is literally spraying all over them. Like, Hicks has to remove oh God, his yeah, body I for- armor. I forgot about that, yeah. Like, there's so much that is going on, and they they are not prepared for it. It's really weird, because you obviously should be rooting against the aliens in the monster movie Aliens, but, like, there's a certain catharsis to the arrogance of the soldiers oh, yeah. coming back at them. Yes. And so it's, it, it, it leaves you a little bit conflicted because, like, I'm supposed to be rooting for these guys, but they were way too confident about this. And they're, they're, in, the find go through they're a, in the find out stage. Yeah, you go through a couple of <laughs> combat scenarios or a couple of sims and you think you've got it. Yeah. And then you're presented with real life and this thing that you have no idea how to handle it. Like, you're, you're at a loss. Yeah. <laughs> your, your training goes out the window. And yeah. You're, you're now rewriting the book uh, on combat. It's insane. It, it is oddly cathartic to see them just get screwed over <laughs> after, after talking themselves up that much. The what? It's a hubris. Yeah. You, you have this idea of yourself and your mind, and you're like, oh, I can handle anything. And what's funny is that you kind of, like, I don't know if this is like a male stereotype or what, but this is definitely something that I experience in any horror movie with a corporeal being, where you have that brief moment where you're like, I bet I could kill that. (laughs) And and then the movie makes sure you know you couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I could go hand-to-hand with that thing. Yeah. No, you can't. No, you can't. Uh, Not, not only can you not, it'll lay an egg inside of you, and you'll have a baby from it. Yep. Good God, that's disturbing. It, that was, like, I understand why they used that analogous just horror, because it's so disturbing and so upsetting, and, and there's a reason it's so upsetting, and there's... Uh, they did good. There's, Brilliant. There's so much, like, adult content mm. in these movies. Like, in Alien, like, you've got... Ash, who's built off of the the male ego, the the yeah. male, uh, he's got the, those same driving forces, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, he's a robot and can't can't go after those things, and so he has to release that energy in other ways. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like 
the scene where he's got the the magazine rolled up. Oh yeah, shit. Oh and god, that's disturbing. Shoving it into her face. Yeah. Like, it, there there are that is images of naked women, yeah. and there is literally a magazine in his hands mm. that he is shoving down rolled her up throat. Into a phallic object. Um, and it, it is probably one of the most like graphic scenes of sexual assault without including the actual sexual part of that oh assault. Man, that's a good way to put it. It's yeah, they do a lot to very effectively make the make the, the audience uncomfortable with some stuff. It's very impressive uh, uh, storytelling. Well, and then they try to play it off because Bishop's like, "Oh yeah, that model had problems." <laughs> Like, uh, okay, yeah, we haven't talked yeah. much about Bishop yet, and I remember that I had exactly since I've I've only ever seen like the first ten minutes. My dad was like, "You gotta check this out. Look how weird it is that Aliens picks up fifty seven years after Alien." Uh, so I've seen like the first ten minutes before, but when I watched it, I've never actually seen the main plot of Aliens, and it was so like we see him bleed. Oh, he does the knife thing, right? Yes. He does the knife thing on the guy's hand, and he does make a tiny mistake. He cuts his finger a little bit mm-hmm. and bleeds white. And I had the exact same response that Ripley had, where I was like, oh, fuck. It's, it's a robot. Yeah. The robots are evil. Like, we found this out last here? time. Yeah. He's not evil. Um, he's, a good, he's a good one. Now, obviously, a bit of dialogue <laughs> because it's hard to imagine an android messing up and cutting their finger. Yeah. Like, unless there's something wrong with it. Because then that would have been, like, an immediate red flag for me. Like, shit, they were trying to do this thing where they're, like, you know, knocking the knife in between, you know, fingers, and they cut themselves. (laughs) Like, clearly this android is not the the peak of technology. Yeah. If it still has mishaps and cuts its own finger. Yeah, that's that's unsettling. You're like, can we rely on it? I, did, I I feel like they lean into that unsettling. You you expect another Ash. Yeah, you're you expecting get something to go wrong, but he's so cool. And then you, they subvert. <laughs> I love Bishop. They subvert it by putting the exact same actor into Aliens Three. Yeah, and you're like, okay, this must be another Bishop model, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's the actual guy that was that Bishop was modeled after. Oh, I forgot about that completely. I can't wait to do a recap of three to remember everything I've forgotten from four months ago when I watched it. I don't know why. Oh, I know why Alien three and four were harder to retain than Aliens one and two. But I can't wait to refresh and and talk about them. Um, So we get um, the the first attack of the Xenomorphs. Yes, they all take off, and then they have to regroup. Yeah, and they take off, and there was one in the plane, and they crashed the plane. Yes. Yeah, Gorman was in the plane. Yeah. And he actually had his hand that touched some of the oh. the slime from the xenomorph. It's so creepy. And they crash, and, they and crash. We, get, we get Bill Paxton going, Game over, man! With his crackly voice, and I love it. <clears throat> oh, Bill Paxton. He's he's got to be like when we're talking like old like eighties nineties <laughs> era movies like Bill Paxton is one of my favorite actors like he he was Chet <laughs> in yeah. Weird Science like the jerky stepbrother or older brother yeah. like he was great in that movie 
like chewing on his cigars exactly like the the command one of the commanders for the marines i think yeah. he was probably like the sergeant or whatever like he's chewing on a cigar the entire time like he uh bill paxton was great in this movie <laughs> yeah I, comedic I love, relief i love bill paxton i remember that um my mom's also, my mom's a big bill paxton fan from like everything he's ever been in and she was also a big robert downey jr fan from everything he'd mm-hmm. ever been in before Iron Man. And so also she was, in Weird Science. Yeah, and so she was freaking out when she was like, they, they cast that guy? That's awesome. <laughs> and she was real happy about that. She was also very happy about Bill Paxton showing up when I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Nice, uh, the yeah. She was like, ah, oh, they got him! <laughs> was, that was fun. Well, and Twister is one of those movies that I feel like yeah. we have to watch anytime it's on TV. <laughs> Uh, also another Bill Paxton movie, uh, you have Tombstone, which I will watch anytime I see it. Okay. I mean, he was uh, Morgan Earp, and he does die pretty <laughs> quick after the the first conflict. Michael Bean is in that movie, too. Oh, yeah. As Johnny Ringo. Yeah. Maybe we should do a Tombstone. We might have to. I do love Tombstone. I'd have to refresh. I think I've seen that at some point, but I'd have to refresh. It's been too long. Kurt Russell has been in a whole bunch of movies that are also worth talking about. You had that uh, Soldier movie. Yeah. Where he was uh, genetically engineered and then was supposed to be like this super badass, like Vulcan, basically. An emotional, <laughs> yeah. like just this badass soldier who was trained from birth. Yeah. Almost like the Spartans in 300, so I feel like the, yeah. there's a lot of tangents we could go down just with Bill Paxton movies. That's, I love Bill Paxton. Um, and Kurt Russell, gosh. Oh, yeah, Kurt Russell. So good. And we get to, we crash the plane, we get to the situation, I don't, there's some stuff that I'm going to skim over, where we get to um, the, the face huggers. In the lab. Um, yeah. The, they're supposed to be asleep. They're, it's supposed yeah. to be safe. They're in, like, this lab that's mm-hmm. sealed off that nothing is supposed to be able to get into. Yeah. But miraculously, <laughs> these two facehuggers that are not existent up until yeah. this point, we've only seen facehuggers inside of jars. They're hibernating. They're, they're, oh. they're not alive. It's and creepy. then all of a sudden there are two living facehuggers that mm-hmm. happen to appear in the place that is supposed to be the safest on this outpost. Yep. With um, Ripley and Newt. Yes. And we, the, the, oh God, that scene was so stressful. And she finally figures out, so she's trying to signal the cameras and we see it's Burke, right? Mm-hmm. He turns, turns off, him off. He turns off the cameras, that son of a bitch. <laughs> but that's not going to stop Ripley. She's smarter. Yes. She is more worldly, and she's already dealt with this shit before. Mm-hmm. And she realizes the fastest way to get people to react is to cause an emergency. Yep. So she makes sure to trigger the fire alarm. And nobody awesome. can not notice that that is happening yeah. because it'll appear on every single monitor it's in brilliant. the station. It was, it was amazing she's that they included that proactive. in there. Like it not like it's hard to get somebody out of a situation where there feels like there's no way out. Yeah, you're you're trapped somewhere. You can't break the glass because it's 
ballistic gray glass. Oh, yeah, that stressed me out. She's hitting yep. it with a chair. Nothing is happening. You see it shaking. So you know <laughs> that, like, what, Maybe pra- you could. practical or not, she's really slamming this chair into this glass. Yeah. And it is not moving. God, stressful. And it kind of uh, a very similar vibe to when they're searching for the facehugger in the first movie. Oh, yeah. The, the lab is kind of a similar shape. They're yeah. searching and prodding for it, but this time they're asleep in there instead. Ugh. Um, we get where, yeah, it's like on her and she's like trying to hold it back. Very right. stressful. And she notices that like her, uh, the weapon that she has is missing. So clearly uh-huh. somebody was in there, took it. This was the angriest I've been at a character so far in these two movies with us finding out that Burke did this. I guess because he thought that if he gets Newt and Ripley impregnated with alien eggs... Yeah, you cryo-freeze them and then you have a xenomorph when you get back. Yeah, that's so fucking disturbing. (laughs) But you also have to think, like, I'm risking my life for this company... And I could impregnate these, the cryopods mm. fail, and now I'm dealing with a xenomorph. Yeah. Man, huge risk. You have to be paid a whole lot of money at that point to even think about it. It, it, it would a... take a lot for me, myself <laughs> personally. It would take a lot of money for me to say, all right, screw it. I'm going to infect these people with this disease yeah. or even, this alien yeah, just baby. To, just to inf- like, even if you were okay with killing these people for your money that you might also have to deal with the xenomorphs exactly you you have to be willing to sacrifice not only other people's lives but your own life yeah for the advantage of what that money could provide horrible and it's so cathartic when he dies oh it does feel pretty good that feels pretty good although uh, was it was it that does he die does she well, nobody's I, with him. He's all by himself. Yeah, okay. And it's like, ah, oh, you're on your own, dude, because you, <laughs> because you earned that. Yeah. You no, earned who's going to help you yeah, now? You earned the <laughs> fact that nobody's going to help you, and now you have to deal with this yourself. That's always fun. I, I loved the catharsis of that moment. And we, we run, 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 run away. And we get to, we see the... Alien queen at some point here. Well, Nude is taken away. Yeah, I forgot about that. They're, they're, she like gets taken down or falls down underneath the, the vents. And then they're like trying to cut, like plasma cut through the grate to get down to her. Yeah. And unfortunately, they just they don't make it just uh. in time. Like she's taken just in time. Yep. But she's not impregnated. She's, yes. She's not encased. She's yeah. not whatever. Like, Ripley finds her. She's able to extract her. And then in their effort to escape, they do come across the queen. Yeah. Who we didn't expect because if you watched the director's cut, like, people are turned into eggs rather than yeah. there being something that makes the eggs. Oh, yeah, that's true. But like yeah. you were saying in the beginning, like there's this 
uh, mirroring because in the director's cut you have Dallas saying kill me yeah and then the first person that they meet an alien uh, says kill yeah, me yeah she says kill me so they reuse that line because uh, technically the impregnations and stuff and turning into eggs isn't canon and the queen laying the eggs is canon interesting okay I'd forgotten that that's okay so there is huh. like this reciprocity of you've got like <laughs> what happens in the first movie kind of happens in the second movie plus one yeah there's this extra element added to it oh, of like interesting. you're 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 coming into it uh at, whereas in alien like it's dallas you already know this person yeah and you're you're worried about them like what's going to happen to dallas like you see him being attacked by the xenomorph and then he disappears and you don't know did he die because uh yeah. don't they say that there's no blood oh yeah they do the air ducts yeah and so you're like what happened to dallas did he die there uh, was he taken he got egged and then he gets egged and then <laughs> they retcon that and now xenomorphs can't make eggs only queens can make eggs interesting I'd complete, I like didn't put together that that was a retcon because I just kind of vibed with it. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. when, you're, when you're going from one movie directed by Ridley Scott to another movie directed by James Cameron, yeah. then like things will get a little bit muddy. Yeah, and then that makes eventually sense. they'll all come out in the wash and everything will be back to normal. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the Alien Queen, and that thing's terrifying. Oh, terrifying. It's so like, much scarier. Than the so much bigger than the other xenomorphs. Yeah. Like by four or five times. Yeah. Like so heavy that she's attached to like things that are like suspending her over the floor. Yeah. Because she her the mass of her body is probably way too much for her to carry on mm -hmm. those tiny little skinny xenomorph legs. Yeah, those are creepy looking. And we've got a room full of eggs. A room that she's laying continuously. Yeah. Even during our confrontation. Yeah. She's still laying eggs. Oh, it's so creepy. I love these. These are fun. <laughs> <laughs> these are so creepy. I love these movies. And. Well, <laughs> I, I feel like there's almost like a deal struck between the two of them. Interesting. Like Ripley walks in, and the queen is standing there, and there's like the standoff. Where Ripley is like, okay, I'm going to walk out of here. Mm -hmm. And as long as you honor this deal, I'll leave. Yeah. And the second that eggs mm -hmm. start to open up, that's when Ripley's like, all right. All right, we're done. You crossed the line now. We're done here. Like, shit's about to happen. And then that's when the flamethrower comes in. <laughs> the flamethrower. The, the one thing that is like the kryptonite for the xenomorphs, apparently, is flames. Which I guess makes sense, because we were just talking about lightsabers cauterizing wounds. It's like, if you can, if right? you can, if you can burn them to death, there's, there's not going to be a whole lot of blood left over. You, you cut off a xenomorph's death. arm, and you no screwed. blood's going to come out with yeah. the lightsaber, right? Yep. You cut it. It's cauterized, and you get no acid spray. Yeah. Lightsaber beats Xenomorph. <laughs> and apparently flamethrower beats Xenomorph. Flamethrower or M40 grenades. Yes. Um, so she burns everything up, and they leave. Shooting grenades into the, the queen's, like, 
Yeah. The whatever part of her oh, yeah, she, is laying she the eggs. She blows up part of the queen. Yeah. She's like shooting grenades That's in and it's growing up. And then in an effort to escape, the queen literally rips off her reproductive side. Yeah. To escape. Yeah. The flames and the grenades. <laughs> so no she, wonder she's pissed. Oh, yeah. So they head back to like, to Earth? Was it Earth? Uh, I think so. Okay. We got the whole, like, bishops climbing through the the pipe to get back oh, to the yeah. ship. Yeah, bishops climbing through the pipe. He gets the ship. I mean, I, I climbed through some 18-inch storm drain in my day. Oh, and that's, okay. like, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. You're literally, like, inchworming your way through there. And so I'm picturing... That might actually be my worst nightmare. I'm picturing climbing through this 18-inch pipe that Bishop is climbing through uh-huh. to get back to the ship. And it's, like, hundreds, thousands of feet long. Yeah. That he's just like, I've got a flashlight, and I'm just climbing through this thing. That would kill me. I, I think that would just kill me. If you're claustrophobic, do not ever <laughs> get into storm drain inspection, sewer line inspection. Yeah. It's not worth it. Oh, my God. I, I've climbed through plenty of 18-inch and 24-inch pipes. <laughs> uh, I couldn't. It would, it would kill me. Dude, I, t- talk about the scariest thing that I've ever had happen to me. Yeah. I was going through a storm drain, and I approached what I think is a black trash bag. Turns out it's a beaver. <laughs> and I'm walking behind this camera that has lights on it because we're filming it. And I see this black trash bag move. And I'm like, the hell is that? <laughs> Clearly, it's not a xenomorph. Yeah. But it's a beaver. Yeah. Just, just as bad in this situation. It scared the <laughs> crap out of me. Oh I don't know God. if I would have rather had the Xenomorph for the beaver. I feel like the beaver was the, a little beaver's bit... The beaver's got way more maneuverability in that space. It was a little bit more timid. It took off. Okay, I feel yeah, like I the could. Xenomorph probably would have came at me, though. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would have uh, figured out if I was uh, able to either fight my way out of dealing with a xenomorph or am I going to succumb and become a, a carrier myself? Probably the latter if you deal with a xenomorph in a confined space. Oh my god. I, if we're talking about xenomorphs and facehuggers in confined spaces then we've got alien versus predator to talk about at some point too. I can't wait. I haven't even like I, I know a little bit about that movie. I haven't watched it yet in like proper I can't wait to watch that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned, dear listener, in the weeks to come for, for all of these, this nonsense. I, I'm way more excited about Prometheus. Yeah. That is definitely so one of my favorite ones. Prometheus week. That's not far off. I'm so excited. <laughs> After the letdown of three in Resurrection, I was yeah. at the point where I was like, I, I don't know if there's enough left in this franchise. And they, they did Alien versus Predator, and yeah. I was like, oh my god. Like, <laughs> oh, come on. And then Prometheus happened, and I was right back in. Oh, yeah. Like Prometheus was definitely the reawakening for me to get back into the whole like Ridley Xenomorph kind of It's a universe. huge pick me up when you're going through this series. I loved it. 
I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about engineers. I'm ready to talk about <laughs> deacons. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about anything that comes from this. I got rewatched before we get to that episode. I, I will happily rewatch any of those movies. With oh, you. I'm down. I'm down. We'll do it. So we get to the uh, yeah. Bishop's gone through the pipe. The thing, and we get to wow, you can tell that I've we don't realize that he's made it though <laughs> until Ripley is like in the middle of battle, and yes. then all of a sudden Bishop shows up. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. when you realize Bishop's was successful. That is very true. Uh, if you notice that in the scene where Ripley like grabs the loader and she's picking it up and she's like, Where do you want me to put this? Yeah, in the background is her doll version that is used oh. in the scene with the queen alien and they fall down the uh, the the airlock. Okay, interesting. Um, oh, man. This, the airlock scene is so cool. <laughs> so I love the use of miniatures because yeah. it, it's one of those things that I feel like you have to have a really good eye and there has to be a good art yeah. with a miniature in order for it to pass. Yeah, and they, oh man, they, they sell the imagery of it so well. They sell the, I mean, even just the twist of the, the aliens here, and then I ripped Bishop in half. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it ripping him in half was, was horrible, because I was like, I like this one. <laughs> and then, like, his bottom half and his top half go in completely different directions. Yeah. It's oh. like the, the tail comes oh, through, straight through the middle, and then yeah. ripped. Oh, man. It was brutal. Um, yeah, we get to the deal where she fights the thing in basically a mech. Yeah, like hand-to-hand <laughs> combat with a queen alien. It gets so hardcore so fast. And then, yeah, we get the airlock scene. And that's... Is that where it ends? No, it ends with them getting back on the ship. They're going... They're going now they're going to Earth. Yeah, right? and they go back into cryosleep. Yeah. They go back into cryo sleep. It's her, one of the other soldiers whose name escapes Hicks. me. Hicks. Hicks and Newt. Who's been like burned and like his body is mangled and he's yeah. still barely surviving. And was part of Bishop? Did they yeah, take Bishop, that Bishop's me? in half. Okay, yeah. And he's also in one of the cryopods. And we, we head off into the third movie that we will talk about potentially next week i'm not sure yet we're gonna figure out the schedule as we go yeah spoilers only ripley survives which is so dark so dark it's such a good intro for a movie you go into the third movie and you're like shit everybody (laughs) from the last movie is now dead yeah in a split second oh yeah and then you still have ripley though she's she's that anchor that's holding Uh, yeah sigourney weaver just is uh, she holds the thing together for these four movies. Um, I mean, talk about sex appeal. Yeah. In the first movie, <laughs> my my wife commented on the fact that you can see that she has no butt, but yes. she's fine doing whatever she's doing <laughs> with her butt facing the camera. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a very strong, confident woman oh, who yeah. is fine with her body. <laughs> I... I, I Personally, am the exact same way. Yeah, I, I would if it was socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. I would wear next to nothing in public. Speedos, 
I don't care. <laughs> it's more comfortable for me to wear almost nothing, especially when it's hot. We live yeah. in Texas. Do we? Yeah, it's hot. And it's it rough. If I could get away with wearing boxer briefs in public, you I'm, better believe I'm, I'm wearing them. I'm going to level with you. When I was getting ready for work this morning, <laughs> I had put on my underwear. I was like, I don't know. Should I just go? This is a rough when when my office job says, "Hey, you can wear shorts," yeah. I'm wearing shorts. All right, That's I'll I'll, I'll wear basketball shorts to work. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, most IT people we That's just kind of yeah. live in our own little zone, and yeah. most people don't know what we do. Yeah, I work in a basement. Like no one sees us. Oh yeah. <laughs> <I don't> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, my, uh, my work, uh, our office is in an old bank. Okay. And so the uh, burn-in room for our desktop support is actually in a check vault. Oh my God, that's fun. That's underneath a hill that's like 30 or 40 feet deep. <laughs> and the guy that engineered this bank said that where our data center is and where our burn-in room is could take a bunker buster and survive. Oh my God. That's a lot of fun. Like, I don't know any banks that require that, but yeah. I do feel pretty safe if they're like, oh, it's a tornado warning, and I'm like, I won't get yeah, through Yeah, you're this. good to go. Yeah. Every, yeah, that is how I feel in that basement. Everybody comes down into our area whenever mm-hmm. there's a tornado drill, but I'm like, you, if you're in Texas, you kind of have to deal with the fact <laughs> that you're going to have to do some tornado drills. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, um, my girlfriend moved up here from Houston. And so we joked that she traded hurricane season for tornadoes. It's like, yeah, just sometimes everyone has to stop what they're doing because there's a tornado nearby. That just happened. Yeah, it'll be that just bright. It'll be bright and shiny in the morning, and then all of a sudden it's uh, 60 degrees, and you've yep. got storms and thunders and all kinds <laughs> of things that are coming through. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, so we wrapped we wrapped aliens. Mm-hmm. We're doing Alien 3 and Alien Resurrections as one episode next time. I don't know when. Maybe next week. We'll find out. Uh, a- Alien 3, I appreciate. Yeah. They, there are some good things that they did update. Yeah. Uh, I think that the the thing that really hurt Alien 3 was they were trying to go too heavy into CGI. That's fair. Which was not... <laughs> that was the one thing I noticed. It was not as good as it is now. Yeah. And so, <laughs> not quite. Alien 3 re-recorded now with better CGI would probably turn out a whole lot better. Yeah, that's true. That would, I, that would I, be nice to see. I liked the practical effects from Alien and Aliens. I liked uh, the actor that played the Xenomorph, mm-hmm. like literally being built oh, into yeah. the Creepy. set for the shuttle and having to climb out of whatever orifice it is that they created for him. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the, uh, they say that uh, he ripped the costume like coming out of that last scene. Oh, I didn't know that. Like trying to like flop out. And so the, the scene where uh, Ripley's singing You're My Lucky Star, yeah. which I heard that they had to get rights to that song in I heard order that for too. her That's to use it. And so when she's blasting the steam in those different areas and it mm-hmm. finally hits the xenomorph and it climbs out, hmm. as it's climbing out, it's actually damaging the costume the whole time <laughs> that it's flopping out. 
Uh, I didn't know that. That's fun. They even said that they didn't like the way that the uh, the xenomorph looked in film, <laughs> and so there's only really like one shot that you get the full body shot. Yeah, you get like, the, you get the jaws effect. It's like I floating love. through Lambert. It's like about to attack Lambert and you can yeah. see it's like arms kind of like floating through the air and that's like the only full body shot you get in Alien. Yeah, you get the Jaws effect there of it's much scarier if you don't see much of it and you're just imagining how horrible it is for most of the movie. It's brilliant. I love both of these movies. Um, I guess we're going to wrap it here. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, but we'll save it. Yeah, we're, we're going to save it for next time. Um, un, uh, let's see, until next time, what, what did I say at the end of these? I've forgotten now because I haven't done one in like two months, and I've had some <laughs> ciders. So uh, you can find us at Fandom Optimists on Twitter and Instagram. And you, uh, we are a member of the Hall of Pods podcast network. There is a link tree in the description of this episode. You can click on it to take you to all of my amazing podcasting friends. And, uh, Cooey, did you want to say anything, any, like, last thoughts or uh, I appreciate where to find you people letting on me, social media? Or? I, f- I appreciate you letting me come on. I, uh, we've talked about this for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we finally got to get your, your first horror movie in. <laughs> Hopefully uh, things will go well and we'll be able to do a few more of these. All right. Um, next time, until next time, y'all, never, ever apologize for loving your fandom and try to stay optimistic. I'll talk to you next week, I hope.